Welcome to the Agoracom Podcast, where investors discover great small cap companies. Thank you for taking Agoracom with you and make sure to follow our podcast. Welcome to Beyond the Press Release, our production of Agoracom, in which we take the time to speak with small cap executives after they put on important news. Hey, for all you sports fans out there, because you're watching baseball playoffs, football's in full gear. Hockey's and basketball are on the verge. Hockey started. Basketball's about to start. You're going to love this analogy. If you hit 300 baseball, you're a Hall of Famer. If you shoot 50% from the field in basketball, you're an icon. If you go 50 for 50 in drilling for nickel, you're Green River Gold. And that's the company that we're talking to today. You can see the Perry Little on the, on the screen right there. He's a president CEO of the company. And what's great about Green River Gold is that while the allure of gold remains steadfast with prices holding at $2,000, give or take, we also have simultaneously the electric vehicle revolution that's driving massive demand for battery metals, uh, including, including nickel. So that forces investors to go one way or the other. Well, Green River Gold, uh, is one of the rare companies that offers investors the best of both worlds because they've got this amazing portfolio project in British Columbia, which is really important because you're talking about politically safe uh, jurisdictions, which is really important now. And their properties and projects include the Quenelle Nickel Magnesium Talc Project, the Fontaine Gold Project, the Cali Lithium Pegmatite Project, the Kaimar Silver Project, and recently their Midnight Special Prospect prospect which is gold silver and copper now these projects collectively uh position the company in some of british columbia's most highly prospective mining districts but what's really great about the company's my keystone project is recently the recent green light of the caribou gold mine that's a cisco's gold mine just outside of wells british columbia marks a significant milestone for the region and puts uh ccr right beside a company's a mine's going to be producing, not just a great prospect. So the news just keeps getting better and better. And here's the press release. Green River Gold reports asset results from the Quinell Nickel Project and intersects nickel, magnesium, cobalt, and chromium beginning at the bedrock surface for the 50th consecutive hole. That's 50 consecutive holes. Perry, you're an icon. Welcome back, my friend. <laughs> Thanks, George. Great intro. Good to see you. Hey, great to see you. I want to talk about these drill results first, but I'm not talking about, you know, the actual assay results and the, you know, people can read the press release for that. But you said in your press release, we're thrilled to see the consistency and continuity of the drill results as we continue to expand the known era of mineralization. So the, this 50th consecutive hole, talk to us in layman's terms of how significant that is from a big picture point of view. Sure, well, I, you know, I, I've spent a lot of time around mining stocks and mining projects in my life, and I don't really recall one that looks like this. Um, we, we have, it's not just 50 for 50. We started drilling this thing in uh, right at the tail end of 2021, and we didn't really know what to expect. We knew there was a potential for nickel on there, but we didn't expect to hit from surface in 50 consecutive holes. So other than a little bit of gravel laying on top of the the, the raw the bedrock and a few of the low spots, uh, basically it's consistent all the way down. 
And I think that's spectacular. It could really add up in terms of size. And the strike length on this thing is it's 14 kilometers long. It's long and narrow. Uh, we call it a deep purple magnetic anomaly, but we've drilled these holes uh, over about 10 kilometers of that length and uh, mostly on two large, big rocky outcrops that stand about 700 feet above the surrounding mountains and uh, zone one and zone two. We're, we're kind of concentrating on zone one with our drilling here coming forward and we're planning to drill some deeper holes in the next little bit. But the key to this thing is the consistency. Um, the first meter of every hole looks like the 50th meter of every hole. And it doesn't matter whether they're in zone one or zone two, and those two big outcrops are eight kilometers apart. So, you know, it's early, but what do you think that tells you guys? Like, what's the prevailing theory there when you see that kind of consistency over 50 holes? Um, you get to the point where you expect the next hole is going to be the same. I have to admit, uh, you know, we, we don't have much doubt when we put the drill in what we're going to hit. Um, and it all comes down to the size. This is not high grade nickel. It's just 21% magnesium too, which is relatively high, but it's the fact that it's at surface easily accessible and we're so close to infrastructure. We'll get into that in a little bit. But when, when you look at the, uh, the, the this is gonna be all about size, proximity to infrastructure and the economics of getting the stuff out. And uh, I, I always compare us, you know, rightly or wrongly to, to Giga Metals, who are about 12 hours north of us in the north end of BC. So the same jurisdiction um, and Mitsubishi put, you know, 8 million bucks into that for, for uh, the, sorry, 50, yeah, 8 million bucks for 15% of the project. Almost said that backwards uh, about a year ago. And they've got similar grades are also near surface. Uh, we're right at surface and we're 45 minutes from a town of 23,000 people. Um, I give you an idea how important that is because we have a private company that we also run that provides drilling services to other companies. And right now we're doing a little bit of work up in a place called CarMax in the Yukon. And we're drilling with one of our modified Winky drills up there. And it's another company's project. I'm not going to talk about it, but it's helicopter access only. So you have to get to CarMax, which is about a 2,600 kilometer ride from Vancouver. And then you've got to take the stuff by helicopter up to where you're going to drill. And, you gotta, and I can tell you the costs add up pretty quick. Our guys basically oh goodness, get in I a can't crew, imagine. Our guys get in a crew truck at a shop in the morning. And 45 minutes later, they're standing at our drill rig. <laughs> they're and they stop at Timmy's, which they do. It's 48 minutes because it's three minutes in line at Timmy's. And then 45 minutes. Yeah, I mean, the, you, the advantage you have is significant. And by the way, you're not just talking, you're not just talking your book to say, well, what else are going to say? Further on in your quote, you say, uh, pending receipt of some permits, which you don't have any reason to think they're going to be unnecessarily delayed. We're ready to deal deeper, we're ready to deal, uh, drill deeper holes so we can move towards the preparation of a 43101 resource estimate on zone one sometime in the first half of 2024. So you're not just talking, the, you're not just, talking the talk you're walking the walk i mean that's yeah. that's that's no small statement to say we're gonna have a 4301 out because that's where you put your money where your mouth is right yeah uh, our permits have been a little delayed and that's uh you know i gotta tell you we, we deal a lot with the bc mining people because of the private company thing we've got as well respect for them they, they're hard working they're they're courteous they're professional um uh, you know i'm not trying to piss anybody's butt here they're just they're good 
people. It's a good department. Uh, I think they're understaffed. I don't think they ever expected the kind of you know volumes they're dealing with these days. So everything's a little slower than we would like, but but it's not drastic. I don't anticipate any issues with the permit. We're, we're getting a permit to drill 20 holes, uh, 300 meters deep. And we do expect we should get that shortly. Uh, the good thing is that because of our proximity to town, we proved last winter that we can drill through the winter. It's not a big deal. So we can just keep drilling. It doesn't matter if it comes in in July or if it comes in in October, November, we'll, we'll drill anyway. But this will be the first time we've gone down below about 129 meters. So that first deep hole is going to tell us a lot. And, you know, we're thrilled to see that. And if we've got depth on this thing, that tonnage is going to add up really, really quickly. This could be a very, very large project. So the same to say you expect to you expect to probably go 20 for 20, 70 for 70, but you just don't know how how deep this is going to be. Yeah, I mean, it could be the same stuff all the way down. We, we do think that we might encounter some other things on the way. Uh, we've we've already got indications of some semi-massive sulfide material. We hit a, a six-meter stretch. I say every hole is the same top to bottom. Actually, there's there's one outlier. The first hole we drilled this year, we actually hit six meters of something that looked totally different. And then once we got through the six meters, we went right back into our usual stuff again. Same grades, like every meter looks the same. Six meters that had uh, a bunch of lead, zinc, uh, some silver, and some gold in it. So that's an, that that came up from somewhere. Okay, we hit a, a thin vein of it. We expected we might see something like that down deep, and uh, we still expect that we might see something. We could get some surprises as we go deeper. It, it's we're we're absolutely thrilled to get that drill on the ground. So uh, the drill's all ready to go. By the way, sitting at our shop and and ready to roll. So as soon as we get the permits, we can go. And uh, it's one of the great things about having a a private code that's uh that does that kind of work uh we, we've got all the people ready to go we've got the equipment ready to go we're just waiting on the permit and and let it rip so uh those 20 holes uh we're working with a mining engineering company right now just to figure out you know where exactly the best place is to drill those to get the most mileage out of it in terms of being able to provide a, a, a reasonable resource estimate and we're only doing zone one. I mean, this thing, you know, it'll take a lot of drilling to do the entire thing, right? It's 14 kilometers long, but I think you'd be able to extrapolate a little bit from what we get out of zone one. And uh, so we had we had to pick zone one or zone two. They look the same, except for that. Crazy That's a thing. nice situation to be in. It's not like, which is the lesser of two evils? Like, these are both great. Which one? Okay, let's do, let's do zone one. Um, and look, if the interview ended right there, I'd say, Perry, this is awesome. You're 50 for 50. You got drill permits for 20 more. Looks like you're going to have enough for a resource estimate in the first half of 2024. Let's let's touch base again as soon as you're done with the drill, with with, as soon as you start releasing assays on those 20 drills. But then you've also got the gold side of the company, right? This is why we talk about Green River Gold has this beautiful offering of both sides, right? The battery metal side uh, and, and, and the gold side. And if, correct me if I'm wrong, but the Fontaine Gold Project was the main reason you guys started up there, right? Yeah. And then you yeah. kind of stumbled into the nickel and all that. So here's this beautiful Fontaine Gold Project, and we're seeing gold, you know, really start to really knock on $2,000 door. It keeps trying to knock on it. We know the problems going on around the world. What do you feel about this gold move? Uh, uh, and, and how it might be different from, because you've been watching gold for 30 years. And how it might be a little different. I've been a gold bug all my life, and and uh, you know watched it move from you know two fifty and nineteen ninety nine two thousand up to uh, you know 
2000 in, in, in the year 2020 and then back off a little bit. Now we're over 1900 again. It's, it's gold is so heavily manipulated that this price isn't anywhere near what gold should be working uh, worth. But, you know, we could talk about that another time, but I long ago gave up on thinking this is an honest market, right? It is a manipulated market. The central banks detest watching the gold price go up. So they do everything they can to cap it out. Despite that, it's gone from 250 to 1900 in, you know, 23 years. So, you know, they're playing, but should be doing more. Yeah, I mean, they're standing on top of it, jumping with all their might, trying to keep it down, and they're still going up. So all they could do is cap it out for a while at a price, and then they let it rise to the next price level and cap it out again. Uh, I think we could see a breakout. This this one feels different. Um, I, I normally, I, uh, I've i shied away from investing in gold when it's driven by a geopolitical event, as tragic as this one is. Uh, previous geopolitical events tend to create a short-term spike, and then it backs off. I think this time around, the combination of how long they've been holding it at this level, um, the potential for this thing, unfortunately, to spread, uh, and and the economics, you know, the the massive deficits. I mean, we've talked about this stuff for years, but I mean, it, we, we've gone exponential now on on the on the U.S. debt level. Well, inflation so, is now, you know, saying uh, these debts aren't sustainable, and it's starting to cause all sorts of valuation problems in the real world that the central banks are trying to control. Which means people might be saying, maybe now I got to go to gold. Right? This yeah. is this may be the real the, the real deal right here. And there's an entire generation that hasn't seen a gold bull market. Um, if if they decide to get involved, uh, wow, you know this thing takes off. So I I do believe that we're getting close to another breakout in gold, and I I think it'll get up to another level, and then they'll cap it out again. I've been watching this game for so long, and I don't believe any different. But I, I do think there's another move coming. Um, and I think it'll draw attention back to the gold market. We're seeing some of that already. Uh, the timing could be good for us. Um, we've taken the emphasis off our gold simply because we were so thrilled with what we saw on the nickel side of things. But as you said, originally, you know, we're Green River Gold, right? I mean, that's what we're in this for. And we were really deliberate when we staked that property. Um, there was a company next to us at the time was called Barkerville Gold Mines. And uh, you'll remember them. They were around for a long, long time. And, and uh, Frank, you know, Frank very and, well. and, and kept that thing going for years. Uh, it never had a lot of capital, but they managed to prove a lot of gold in the ground. And I always liked the project. I used to invest in it back in my, uh, my broker days. And so I knew quite a bit about it. And I always thought it was undervalued. But, uh, you know, access to capital is difficult for those small companies. Uh, so we we staked the property next to them on trend with them, uh, and that was after about two years. Uh, we, we got Green River Gold going in 2017. It was a year and a half later before we staked their first round, and that was right beside Barkerville Gold Mine. And uh, we get we had great timing because we closed the deal in August of 2019, and one month later, Osisco uh, bought Barkerville Gold Mines for 335 million which I think shocked a lot of people. It didn't shock me much. I always thought that project was worth quite a bit. Clearly, Osisco did as well. Frank was but right. They, Frank was right. Frank was right. And they brought in the missing ingredient, which was capital, right? You know, Osisco didn't have any shortage of cash. And, and they started drilling and fast-tracking the mine. And the other day, lo and behold, they got their approval. So they're going to be building a gold mine on the property right next to us, uh, which adds all kinds of uh, infrastructure um well if you've ever been to quinell okay which is where our shop is it's twenty three thousand people 
when you drive to where their mine is, their mine is right next to the town of Wells. Uh, Wells is near the historic, uh, you know, mining town of Barkerville, which isn't even a town anymore. It's basically a tourist attraction that opens up in the summer. Uh, a good tourist attraction. If you haven't been there, go. But uh, Wells is 220 people. Okay. And it's at the top of the hill. And once you get to Wells, if you want to stay on pavement, it's 80 kilometers from Quinell. You turn around at Wells and you drive back down the hill to Quinell because that's the only paved road up there. It's all forestry roads. You're pretty high up in the mountains by the time you get to Wells. And uh, if, if you look at what they're doing to that area, they're going to be building a, a camp that'll, I think it's a 200-man camp or a 200-person camp. Uh, and that, that basically doubles the population of that town, you know, which is pretty phenomenal. Uh, 500 full-time employees are expecting in the mine once it's up to full tilt. It's going to produce about 200,000 ounces a year. Uh, not immediately, but ramps up to that pretty quickly. Uh, 300 people maximum, I think, on the uh, on the construction crew. Like that area is going to boom, and we are right beside them. But we stink. And the significance for you now, the significance for Green River Goal is that instead of owning 200 square kilometers of property next to a promising gold project, right, yeah. which is what you had, you now own land next to a permitted gold mine. That'll yeah. be in production next year in 2024. That changes, theoretically, that changes the valuation of both Fontaine and Green River Gold, right? Because in, in any normal mining should. market, you would expect that. Yeah, this, this isn't a normal mining market, but eventually I think so. Yeah, when, when you look at our market cap of about 5 million bucks Canadian, and you think about previous gold bull markets, we've been through a few of them. I remember when, do you remember when Briex was a good story before the bubble burst yeah, yeah. and they realized it was a fraud? Of course. It's a company I, I looked at one time, their market cap was up close to a hundred million bucks. And it literally it was one guy with a pickaxe and a mule walking around Northern Ontario. It was absolutely amazing. And we're sitting here with 200 square kilometers of wonderful gold property right beside a gold mine. So I think at some point the market will give valuation to gold companies again. Uh, well, Perry, what are your plans? What are your plans for Fontaine to, you know, be a catalyst towards that and, and make sure the market knows and drive, you know, what, what's your plan for Fontaine? You're going to, you do any, are you guys going to do any work there? Or is it more a case of let Osisco do their work and let the world know you're right beside them? What's, what's the game it's, plan it's, there? It's, it's, it's a little of both. Uh, you know, capital is difficult to come by for small companies right now. We're focused on the nickel project simply because we can advance it so much more quickly. So that's where our current capital is going. Uh, right. We've done a little bit of work on Fontaine. We'll, we'll, we'll continue to chip away at it and do a little bit. Uh, finding places to drill, difficult up there because you've got glacial till. These outcrops that we have on our nickel property are rare. So uh, we wish we had a bunch of oak crops all over the other property, uh, the other part of the property, but we don't. Uh, typically, there's forest growing on top of glacial till, uh, you know, throughout that area. It's rugged country. It's difficult to figure out where to drill. So there's time time that has to get spent on geo geochemical work and you know geophysics, you name it, before you can kind of pinpoint because drilling is kind of expensive, even when you're close to town. So we'll have to pick our spots a little bit. Frankly, uh, you know. I've said it before, but you know, if somebody wanted to option this, you know, we 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 look at partnering on it. Uh, you know, it's uh, one JV way to advance it more quickly. Sense. And you know, frankly, at some point, it probably makes sense to spin two companies apart because we ended up with a nickel company and a. I was gold thinking company. the same thing. I was thinking the exact uh, same it, thing. 
I've had people say, why don't you rename it Green River Nickel? And, you know, I always tell them with my luck, the day that I do that, the gold price will go to 10,000 bucks and we'll be trying to rename it again. So it really, I don't think we'll ever get full value for the gold in a nickel. Green country. River Gold slash Nickel, depending on which one is more bullish. <laughs> duck ink, ink. The little revolving side, right? It's like the James <laughs> Bond license plate, right? That just kind of flips yeah. over. So, yeah. But it's I, nice I, that we're laughing about it because it's a great option to have. You're in a very privileged situation here where you can say, hey, shareholders, we're going to continue folks on the nickel, do our 40 through 101, because in the meantime, or Cisco, just by getting up to speed, getting the mind going, is adding value to the area anyway. So you have the luxury of waiting, letting Osisco add value to the entire area, right? Which adds value to Fontaine. And sooner or later, you get to pick your spots. You're either going to get financing for it because you spin it out or you get a JV. But that seems to be in a really nice spot. You're not a one-trick pony. Yeah, it, it is a great uh, strength. And, you know, we had to choose which way to go. Um, I'm sure some of your viewers, and I'm sure you are familiar with the Lassonde curve that Pierre Lassonde came up with years ago. And it, it basically indicates the life cycle of a junior miner. And I don't know if there's a way to pull it up on the screen, but basically the, uh, the Lassonde pull curve. Yeah, the Lasan curve uh, sort of tells you what happens. Uh, you know, it's where exploration meets discovery is where you get the big bang. And then what happens is once people realize there's enough there probably to build a mine, the excitement goes away. The next drill hole doesn't really make a difference because you've already proven a lot of stuff. And the stock goes to sleep for a while while you do the pre the, the preliminary economic assessment and the pre-fees and the feasibility study. And it's only later as you start getting closer to actual production that the stock starts to pick up again. Um, with our nickel, I think we're near that inflection point. People are going to realize that we have a pile of stuff in the ground and every hole is starting to prove more. Uh, deep holes will be the difference for us. With the gold and all the other stuff, we're, we're a little further back on that Lasan curve. We're not at that inflection point yet. So from a shareholder value point of view, I, I think we're focusing on the right area by putting most of our capital, most of our effort into the one that is closest to uh you know uh showing 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 some uh, immediate yeah. uh, definitive results right and uh, how we choose to proceed with the gold part of it since so spinning it off is always a possibility right so well, yeah and i think look it's not like you and i are, it's not like i have a say in your strategy but i think a lot of people probably if they're watching this or listening at home are thinking yeah you you got the luxury of just working the nickel until you know, the caribou gold mine starts going. And at that point, there's going to be so much interest in the area, so many people watching it, so many people coming in and saying, hey, what else is around here? And then, you know, here's Perry putting up his hand say, I got the Fontaine Gold Project. Let's start negotiating, right? And at that point, spin out, JV, it all hits the table. We're in a historic uh, gold mining area. You know, that's uh, that's what brought us up there. And if you, if you look at what's happening in the area, we've got the Wing Dam mine to the immediate west of us. Um, we've got uh, trending south and east. Uh, the, the, the Eureka Thrust Fault runs down there and takes you right down through Spanish Mountain Gold, who are looking at putting in a gold mine. You've got uh, Imperial Metals, Mount Poly mine is down there. Uh, you've got Keras Gold, with 25% owned by Eric Sprott. That's another big landholder down there to the southeast of us. We're on trend with all of that stuff, right? So, I mean, that gold property is 
pretty solid. And they just opened another gold mine, by the way. I don't know if you're familiar with Artemis Gold. They're a little west of Quinnell, the other side of, of our town. And uh, they have the uh, the Blackwater mine that's opening there. So, you know, it's another thing about BC. If you do things right, keep your nose clean, mines get approved there. Okay. And it is a good jurisdiction. It's a solid jurisdiction. And uh, certainly- As the, in the world industry, gets a little more unstable, especially right now, I mean, we've seen this creeping over the last couple of years, right? Just a little more unstable, a little more skirmishes, a little more issues, and you don't know what the dominoes are. Well, at that point, it's so great to be in Canada. You're nice and safe. You're in BC. You know, dominoes aren't going to fall into Canada or BC. They're going to fall into, you know, Peru and places like that and parts of Africa where you don't know what the onset effects are going to be, but not in BC. We have political issues sometimes, but I don't anticipate a military coup happening here anytime soon. And somebody walking up with guns saying the mine belongs to us. Uh, so I, I think we're we're in a pretty solid spot. Uh, as far as the nickel goes, we've also got the 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 trend away from globalization. People are trying to onshore their their inputs, yep, uh, or, or at least nearshore them. So where is the U.S. going to look for nickel? Uh, you know, where are the stable places? The only two people that have free trade agreements that produce a lot of nickel with, with, with the U.S. or proper trade agreements are Australia and Canada. And last time I looked, Canada was a little closer. So, uh, you know, I, I think that uh, and this, this brings up another interesting catalyst here, which is you've got time on gold because gold has been around for thousands of years anyways. So you don't have immediate pressure there, you know, it, it, but the great thing about nickel is you've got the electric vehicle battery metals market that the whole world is pushing on, especially the United States. So demand for it is already there and is only going to mount. So it makes yeah. complete sense that you say, hey, George, hey, shareholders, we're going to focus on advancing our nickel across as fast as possible because the catalysts there are massive. And then gold, you know, comes in right behind it. It'll always be steady Freddie. But and I think it's smart that you focus on nickel because that's where all the catalyst action is, right? It is. Uh, gold will come back as well when it's a little easier to raise money for gold. Uh, you know, we'll probably go out there and do that. But it, you know, the possibility for a spinoff joint venture, uh, you know, we're we're wide open to suggestions. You know, it's uh, we'll see where it goes. Well, it's, uh, Perry, all I can say is I think uh, all your shareholders are watching are saying. Just thanks for putting us in that position. You know, it wasn't overnight, but you've put us in this position. And now we've got, we've got as shareholders, we've got the ability to capitalize on the massive uh, paradigm shift towards electric vehicle batteries, which obviously nickel is going to play a big role there. And with the, what's going on in the world and what's been happening, both in fiscal markets and, geo, and, and geopolitical, um, Gold is becoming even more and more attractive, and now you got a Cisco right next door. So, congratulations, buddy, on positioning the company in a way that it's hard to lose. It's not, it's not a guaranteed win. We don't want to say that. We don't want people mortgaging their homes or something like that. But you've put the company in a really great position to win. And hats off to you and the team, my friend. Thank you, George. Appreciate that. For everybody at home, you've been watching or listening by podcast on Spotify, Google, Apple, your favorite podcast platform. To Perry Little, he's a present CEO of Green River Gold. Trades in Canada, CCR. Yeah, if you're a fan of rock and roll, there is a definite connection to that symbol. We keep saying we're going to talk about it. We will at some point. And for our friends in the U.S., 
CCRRF. Do your due diligence if you're a believer in what's happening in electric vehicle battery metals. And if you're and if you like what you're seeing in terms of what's happening with gold markets, then it behooves you to do your due diligence. Hopefully you love the company. And 12 months from now, we don't have to say we told you so. Thanks for joining us. Have a great day. See you next time. Hey guys, this podcast is over. But don't forget to help your company by liking it or even leaving a comment. And then don't forget to help yourself by following us on Spotify, Google, Apple, or on your favorite podcast platform so you will never miss another one great Agora Gomez Small Cap Podcast.